This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News, Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. An Alabama lawmaker weighs in on the potential of a tax cut come out of the upcoming Alabama legislative session. State Senator Arthur Orr believes that the state should consider a one-time tax cut at least for Alabamians since the state budget is now flush with incoming dollars. Orr spoke with 1819's executive editor Jeff Poor on FM Talk 106.5 out of Mobile. Orr says conditions could change in the future with the national and state economy, but while things are good, a tax cut should be considered. Well, I think there are a lot of options out there. I think you said it correctly. Um, there are. I, I think rebates, I think tax cuts. I think we can afford both. Um, the numbers we're seeing today, uh, the, the, the tax cuts, uh, I think are in order. I think we can still work on uh, trying to raise the amount of tax free money that people with 401ks and IRAs can withdraw tax free. I think there are other things that we can do with the tax rate. Uh, we pay, you know, now you pay your first couple thousand dollars that you make, Jeff, you pay 2%, then it goes to, uh, three percent four percent you know kind of stair steps up um there are things we can do there on the tax code maybe getting rid of some of that uh complexity and send it you know permanently uh sending money back to people and then i think the rebates are powerful this is one-time money let's be clear about that and because it's one-time money we do need to be careful uh it's a one-time phenomenon those that have been watching you know montgomery uh for decades say you know it, it It'll go back. We'll retreat to the norm or to the mean. And so we need to share some of that with the people and the taxpayers, give it back to them, let them spend it how they will. But the idea that, uh, you know, it's, it, we're going to over, uh, shoot ourselves or overcommit, um, we just need to be careful about ba- based on that, this one time phenomenon. The chairman of Crime Stoppers of Metro Alabama has donated $10 million to the University of Alabama at Birmingham. J. Frank Barfield Jr. divided up this donation so that $5 million goes to the Department of Criminal Justice at UAB and the other $5 million to the Entrepreneurship Program. Barfield wants the money to reduce crime in the city and drive economic growth. Barfield has chaired the Crime Stoppers organization for the past 10 years. It's a community partnership between businesses and law enforcement in the Birmingham metro area. Tips coming into the group have helped with 1,600 felony arrests and 3,700 felony cases being prosecuted. This donation to UAB is the largest donation in the school's history. A Limestone County judge has declared a mistrial in the case against 17-year-old Mason Sisk of Elkmont. Sisk is facing capital murder charges for the killing of all five family members back in 2019 when he was 14 years old. Judge Chad Wise set a new trial date for next year and ordered that Sisk would remain in custody at the Limestone County Detention Center. The reason for this mistrial was because one of the victim's cell phone and data inside that phone had not yet been unlocked by the FBI until the week of the trial. The judge determined that both sides need time to review the contents of that phone before this case can proceed. Judge Weiss also ordered that the cell phone belonging to Sisk's father also be unlocked and that data be pulled for both sides by October 10th. Manslaughter charges have been issued against a 17-year-old in connection to the fentanyl overdose death of a 15-year-old girl two weeks ago. 
The Mobile County investigators have been pursuing leads in this case ever since Adriana Taylor took a pill that was laced with the deadly fentanyl and then subsequently died. The male teenager is being charged as an adult. However, his identity is not being made known to the public. Mobile Police Captain Paul Birch spoke with WKRG News, saying that fentanyl in the size of a one-gram packet of sugar can kill hundreds of people. A woman files a multi-million dollar lawsuit against a Dothan McDonald's restaurant for chemicals in her drink. Sherry Head of Defuniac Springs says the coffee she ordered occurred back in December of 2021 through the drive through Head said she heard from the one employee that the coffee machine was not available since it was being cleaned, but another employee spoke up and said it was good to go. So Head went ahead with ordering her coffee. She says she took one sip and her throat was numb and that she may end up needing surgery in the future. Head says she also has difficulty swallowing, acid reflux, and other health issues. Head ended up at the emergency room and says the McDonald's manager did nothing to help her or show what type of cleaner had been used in that machine. She's seeking $3 million in compensatory damages and $10 million in punitive. The City of Enterprise was recently featured on a CBS National Morning Show that in particular focused on the Boll Weevil Monument that has been in that city ever since the main crop of cotton was plagued by the little insect and forced all the farmers in the area to move over to planting peanuts instead. Here's the Enterprise Mayor, William Cooper, on CBS. As we look at it now, it was just something that made us move in another direction in a better way. The monument to the evil weevil was first placed in 1948, and farmer William Birdsong has a good idea of the sentimentality that was behind placing that monument. That's the reason why that there's a statue in Enterprise to the bow weevil. It's very tongue-in-cheek, and so it's like, if it hadn't been for you, bow weevil, you caused us to be resilient and look for other means to try to survive and make a living. Now, other boll weevil monuments have also been erected throughout the city, including one near a local McDonald's and a pizza parlor. A giant pest in front of a restaurant would not yeah. be the first marketing idea you might think of. No, it definitely would not, but it seems to work. Yeah, and does it? Mm-hmm. Does it? You feel like this drives people in? Oh my gosh, yeah. Kids are climbing on it, taking pictures all the time. It's great. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news. A CBS 60 Minutes interview was aired this past weekend with President Joe Biden. In that interview, Biden was asked about COVID-19 here in the U.S. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's, but the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing, and I think this is a perfect example of it. Now social media is pretty ablaze with reaction from the statements made by Biden, in particular as to why military members are now being subjected to a forced vaccine mandate, as well as how Biden can continue with his student loan forgiveness plan since that was ordered under the COVID-19 Emergency Powers Act. One senator from Kansas is moving from COVID-19 to taking on monkeypox compared to fentanyl. Senator Roger Marshall was speaking recently at a Senate committee hearing with the director of the Center for Disease Control, Rochelle Walensky. That's when he asked Walensky about the CDC's reaction to fentanyl deaths compared to that of monkeypox. Probably two people, one or two people have died with monkeypox in the United States that I'm aware of. But every day, hundreds of Americans die from fentanyl poisoning. 
Why have you not declared this a public health emergency? Why have you not asked the administration to shut down the border where 90% of this fentanyl comes from? Um, the declaration of a public health emergency is under the secretary, so I would have to defer that comment. I will say that- But you um, could recommend to him that that would be done. And we have those conversations. But what I will say is that our ability to shut down the border at the CDC level is related to communicable diseases. And while the fentanyl, uh, uh, challenges. Turning your back on the fentanyl poisoning. Not at all. More it's people just I don't have, have died from fentanyl poisoning. More Americans have died from fentanyl poisoning than we lost in Vietnam. This I, is what's killing Americans every day is fentanyl. Do you do you not have a heart for these people, for these I moms and dads that have do. lost these and kids? And in fact, through my career, I've cared for many of them. Um, and it is tragic. And we are doing a lot at CDC. What are we doing? But we do not at CDC doing? have the authority to shut down the border on anything except a communicable disease. So what Thank are we you. doing? We're doing outreach. We're doing mental health. We're doing community violence. We're doing um, we're doing surveillance. And speaking of the CDC, the former director of that agency, Dr. Robert Redfield, has now spoken out about the origins of the COVID-19 virus when it comes to a bioweapons lab in Wuhan, China. Redfield admitted to journalist Paul Thacker on Substack that he was very concerned that Dr. Anthony Fauci was ignoring evidence that pointed to the Wuhan lab leak theory as a viable reason for the COVID-19 virus emerging. Redfield says that instead... Fauci was championing the theory that it came from animals in a wet market. Redfield then went on to say that Fauci misled Congress by claiming that he never funded gain-of-function research at that Wuhan lab. Instead, Redfield says there's too much evidence to show the opposite, and that both Fauci, Dr. Francis Collins of the NIH, and the established scientific community all acted in an antithetical way to science. Redfield concluded by saying, the potential for conspiracy is really on the other side where Fauci and Collins are. A federal appeals court has given a big win to Texas in their case against big tech. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton launched the case against Facebook and Twitter after a state law was passed that declared Texans could not be censored from their political views by social media companies. Federal Judge Andrew Oldham of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals that both social media platforms were operating under a weird inversion of the First Amendment right that buried somewhere under a person's constitutionally enumerated rights to free speech was a corporation's unenumerated right to muzzle speech. The lawyers defending Facebook say they are disappointed with this decision and they plan to take it further in the judicial process, which would mean the U.S. Supreme Court. A university in Virginia has settled with the family of a hazing victim who died as a result of heavy drinking back in 2021. The Virginia Commonwealth University agreed to pay $1 million to the family of Adam Oaks. Oaks was seeking membership into the Delta Chi fraternity when the hazing occurred. The university is also implementing a hazing prevention plan in memory of Oaks, and they also promised to make huge changes to the Greek system at that school. And the Prime Minister of Canada is getting some early autumn heat for singing in public in a London hotel lobby the night before the big funeral of Queen Elizabeth. The Queen was eulogized and then buried this past Monday. 50-year-old Trudeau was in the lobby the night before with a musician who was playing a song by the band Queen. Trudeau is being accused of being tone deaf on this somber occasion. 
You're listening to The Daily Detail, brought to you by 1819 News. You won't want to miss out on Alabama Unfiltered as the three hosts sit down with a nonprofit organization here in Alabama that's been targeted by the Department of Justice. Because I frankly wish that um, Eagle Forum and conservatives and Christian values were bigger in Alabama, but it's it just doesn't seem to be I think that way. With the people, and you guys mm-hmm. know this, with the citizens of Alabama, that is who we are. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily what's being represented at the state house, and right. that's yeah such a problem. Right. But I think having Allison's group starting up and Eagle Forum in the last year and a half, we've started nineteen new small groups across the state really? that have really wow. been helpful in when we go to the state house to lobby and to to talk to legislators. It's really great to have citizens being involved, and I think that we can turn the steering wheel back a little bit mm-hmm. and um especially when you you look at all this horrible stuff that's coming at our kids. Right. People are fired up and they yeah. want to get involved. So that's good. what's the process? Because if you read the story and we'll get to the subpoena and what happened this past week, but some people act like it's this most bizarre thing that citizens are writing legislation and that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, we, a few of us, got together and wrote um, the opt-in requirement for the yes. mental health services bill. Yes. We're just citizens. Yes. And and we wrote it, and you you find a sponsor, someone that wants to carry it or present it. It goes to legislative services. So, like, the legislature looks it over, mm-hmm. someone from the department, and mm-hmm. and they make it they, they make it legit, you know, but it's, it's an idea from the citizens, which yeah. in my head is the way it's supposed to be. Apparently, this is now potentially illegal to lobby for well. and advocate. <laughs> well, that's what the DOJ yeah, is. The DOJ right. is trying to, to say. But think. what is the process like? And y'all have been doing this forever. What are some of the pieces of legislation in the past that Eagle Forum has been involved in? And kind of what's the process when you have an idea? You hear from your small chapters and your groups. This is really important to us. Then okay. what happens? So the Alabama Reading Initiative, way yes. back. Mm-hmm. Eagle Forum was really instrumental in making all of that happen. Um, just in the last quadrennium, we had a resolution declaring pornography as a public health crisis. Mm. So we wrote all of that, and then that was passed by both houses, then or both chambers, I should say. And then we had the Campus Free Speech Bill. We wrote that, and we had a wonderful sponsor, Matt Friday, mm-hmm. and he was really good. He had to tweak it, and he did a great job carrying the water for that bill because he had to meet with all the colleges. And, you know, you have mm-hmm. to sort of make happy medium in some right. of the things, but that was a really great bill, and actually um, that there's some big stuff happening with that bill right now, but that was passed in 2019. Okay. And then this most recent one, the Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act. You can find more of that podcast at 1819news.com under the podcast tab. I'm Andrea Tice. I'll be back again tomorrow. I look forward to updating you then. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 